our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. 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 Did I do good? Isn't she cute? She's awesome. I always say she's going to be a movie star one day, so we'll just, we'll just start, start it here. But thank you, Daniel and Julie Adams, for putting that, that video together. And as you can tell, during this next season, we're going to be in a series on prayer. Um, in the church's calendar, the 40 days leading up to Easter, traditionally known as Lent. And that's typically a time when Christians begin to dive deeper spiritually and begin to prepare themselves for Easter. And so that's what we're going to be doing during these next 40 days. We're going to be growing deeper in prayer. And, and prayer is so important. And the reason why we're talking about it is, one, is that it connects us with God. It's one of the most clear ways that we begin growing in our relationship with God, propelling us forward in that relationship. And another reason we're going to be talking about prayer is because prayer is a challenge for many of us. And I know that even when, when I say, hey, for the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about prayer. Some of you in this room, turn on my mic a little bit. Some of us in this room um, begin to get a, a little skittish, right? Because maybe you feel like, okay, I don't, I don't really know that much about prayer or where to begin or where to start or... Maybe you've been disappointed by prayer in the past or you've had some struggles with prayer. Maybe some of you get excited. You're the people who got up at like 5 a.m. this morning and you've been praying for like the last two hours and you're like, yes, prayer for six weeks. And some of you are probably hopeful because if you were to sum up your prayer life in one word, it would probably be the word struggle. You know how to pray. You kind of know that you should pray. But in the midst of your crazy life, it just always seems to get pushed to the back burner. But we're going to be talking about prayer together. And I just want to begin with some transparency that, you know, my prayer life probably doesn't look exactly like some of you expect. I mean, I know some of you think myself and all other preachers, we get up at 5 a.m. each day and we pray until about 9 a.m., skipping breakfast. Then we go to work, we go serve everybody, spend all day at the hospital. And then at 8 o'clock, while everybody else is watching Netflix, all the pastors in the world just kneel and pray for the next like three hours, okay? That's not the case. That is not what my prayer life looks like. And, and in my prayer life, in different seasons, it's looked like different things. Sometimes it's been a season of intimacy and closeness with God. Sometimes I've felt like my prayers are just kind of bouncing off of heaven. And, and I've been like, God, are you, even, are you even listening to me? During some seasons, the calendar has crept in and it's gotten pushed to the back burner. My life of prayer has probably looked much like your life of prayer at different times. But during this season, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for what God is going to do in us and through us as we journey throughout these next 40 days together, growing deeper in prayer with one another. And as we, we, we talk about prayer during these next weeks, um, I think we have the, the sermon slide if, up here. Um, we're going to be learning to pray like Jesus. We're going to be learning to pray like Jesus. And we're going to be learning about prayer from Jesus. And Jesus is a great teacher regarding prayer. Number one, because Jesus is God with us. And so if we want to learn about what it means to talk about God, 
Well, God exists as a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so God, when he stepped into this earth in the person of Jesus, he prayed and he taught about prayer. So who better learn about prayer from than the Lord Jesus Christ himself, God in the flesh. But another reason we're learning about prayer from Jesus is that, that Jesus didn't just know about prayer. Jesus didn't just talk about prayer. Jesus had a vibrant prayer life. In the midst of the world and the demands and a hundred different people always begging him to do something and to go somewhere else, Jesus modeled for us what it looks like to take time to step away and to take that personal time with God in prayer. Throughout the Gospels, over and over again, we see him stepping back from the world and making prayer a priority. And another reason we're learning about prayer from Jesus is because Jesus' prayers had power. When Jesus prayed for things, they began to happen. I mean, when Jesus prayed for people to have sight, they saw when Jesus prayed for, for the, the lame to walk, they stood up and walked. Jesus, before he went to the cross for us and for our salvation, he spent time in prayer, which strengthened him and led him to make that sacrifice so that we could have a living relationship with God. And so who better to learn about prayer from than our Lord Jesus Christ? And Jesus, he, he taught a few different places uh, about prayer in the Bible. But during this season, we're going to be focusing on two specific sections. That's Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6. And today, we're going to be diving deeper into his teaching in Matthew chapter 6. And now Matthew chapter 6 comes in the middle of Jesus' most famous sermon, really the most famous sermon in the entire world, and that is the Sermon on the Mount. And in the sermon, Jesus was teaching his disciples and other crowds that have gathered around about what it meant to live as someone who loved God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and what it looked like to really love your neighbor as yourself. And so in the midst of this powerful sermon, Jesus gives some words, some teachings on prayer. And that's what we're going to be looking at, Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to, to turn there. We'll have it on the screen as well. And if you don't have a Bible, we have some at the Welcome Center out there. We'd love for you to grab one on your way out as a, as a free gift from us. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, here's what Jesus says. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, I just want to highlight something here. If you look in verse 5, Jesus says, when you pray. When he teaches his disciples, he says, when you pray. He doesn't say, hey, if you feel like praying, you know what, if prayer is going to be a part of your life. No, he says, when you pray, because he's assuming that if you're a disciple of his and you're seeking to grow closer to God, that you will pray. And so he says over and over again in this passage, when you pray. Then in verse 6, he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then in verse 9, we find this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
Now, some of you in here are probably familiar with this prayer that Jesus gives right here. It's commonly called the Lord's Prayer because it was given by our Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples. I also recently heard it called the Disciples' Prayer because this is the prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples to pray. And throughout the last 2,000 years, Christians all over the world, throughout all times and all cultures and all places, Christians have used this prayer as a foundation for their prayer and as a foundation for prayer in their worship. And some of you, you know, I know you're familiar with this prayer. Maybe you learned it like me as a child. Anybody learn this prayer as a child growing up? So I, wow, okay. Uh, I learned this prayer as a child when I was in Sunday school. Conyers First United Methodist Church. And, you know, back then we'd like have a lesson, we'd practice it together. And then, you know, like once a quarter or something, the teacher would pull kids aside. And if you said the Lord's Prayer, then you would get a prize. You'd get like a butterscotch or a peppermint, right? Y'all remember that when kids used to do things for just a piece of candy? It's not like that anymore from what I've heard. You know, it takes a little bit more than that now. But so I learned it. I got my little prize and it's been a part of my life ever since. It's been rooted deep inside of me. So maybe you learned it as a kid. Maybe you just, you heard it in church. You heard people saying it. Or maybe you heard your parents praying it, your mom or your dad or your grandma. Maybe you're on a sports team. And before the big event, the team would gather and would kneel down and would pray the Lord's Prayer together. Maybe this is the very first time you've ever even heard this prayer in your life. But regardless of how familiar or unfamiliar you are with this prayer, I want to let you know this morning, this is one of the most important prayers that we find in Scripture. Because this is a prayer that is given by Jesus as a gift to us so that it can be a foundation for our own personal prayers, so that we can grow closer to our Heavenly Father. And so uh, the next six weeks, we're actually going to be diving deeper into this specific prayer together and, and learning what Jesus wants to teach us in it. And we're actually going to be looking at it line by line. And because we know that, you know, the Lord's Prayer, it's been translated in a lot of different languages. The Bible has a lot of different translations. And depending on where you grew up, the words of the prayer might be different, right? Trespasses, debts, sins, different things like that. Um, because we all want to be on the same page, um, I'm going to put up here the version that we're going to be kind of looking at. And when we're praying it, when we're memorizing it, when we're kind of rooting it deep inside of us, this is the version we'll be taking in together. And we're really doing this because this is probably the most popular version um, in our culture, um, in the words that we know. And, and you'll see up here, there's some old words in here, but we're going to be explaining them. But one of the reasons why we're, we're going to be doing this together is because if you notice in the prayer, it says, Our Father... Forgive us our trespasses. There's a communal dimension to this prayer. And so we want this prayer to draw us together. And so we're going to be learning uh, this form together. And actually, before we kind of dive deeper into it, let's just read it out loud together. Let's say it together from the top. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh-oh. We didn't size it right. We're missing a... There, wait. Okay, look, I can see it on the back screen, but you can't see it on this screen. Okay, the last line, and now this is a good teaching moment. It's actually not in the biblical text. This is like a doxology. These are words of praise that church Christians have added to the end of it. Um, and so, uh, Victor, I think it's on the next slide. Let's read out that last line together. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I think God wants us to have that teaching moment right there. And so that is the Lord's Prayer and what we're going to be diving deep into the next six weeks. And if you see, it's kind of broken up in different lines. And we're going to be studying a different line each week, different words of those and diving deeper together. And because we want you to, to kind of internalize this prayer and have it as a deep foundation for you, um, we actually have a, a gift for you this morning. And our ushers are going to do what we call a reverse offering, where they pass around the baskets and you're allowed to take stuff out, right? Normally, that's not, that's not good. Not good. Um, you know, you can make change in the plate if you need to, but people just look around and judge you. But uh, this week, uh, the ushers are going to... Where, where are y'all at? Let, let's, yeah, if y'all start passing those around, we want you to take one of these cards out. And on this card is the Lord's Prayer. And now these cards, I want to kind of tell you the story behind them. They've each been handcrafted um, by a letter press. Emily and I have a friend who, who lives in Greenville, South Carolina, and they do letterpress stuff. And so they made these for us, and they're all literally made one at a time. And so we want to invite you to take this, keep it in your Bible, put it on your mirror, put it next to your computer screen at work. We want you to take this as a gift from us so that you can begin memorizing it and committing it deep inside of you. Um, and and uh, they're pretty cool. They're very like thick and high quality, so they, they should last you a while. And um, also let you know, our kids, um, they have some laminated copies. They're going to be giving them at some point during this series um, because we know kids are a little bit crazier with their stuff. And they're going to be memorizing this as well. And so we're going to be doing this together. So as you take those and a, a, as you begin uh, praying this prayer, as you begin memorizing this prayer, I want to encourage you to do that. I want to let you know that, you know, Jesus didn't want us to just memorize this prayer and recite it over and over again like there's some kind of magical words. When Jesus said to his disciples, this then is how you should pray, what he was telling them is this is a model for your own prayers. This is to be a pattern for your own prayers. I mean, if you're a golfer, I, I am not a golfer. Here's my golf swing right here. Okay. If you're a golfer, you can think of each of these lines as teeing up a topic. If you think about a diving board, you can think of each line, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, as a, as a springboard, an opportunity to jump off of and to dive deeper and to offer more prayers and to kind of continue to go from there. And so each week as we look at these different topics, I want to invite you in your own personal prayer life to use these lines as an opportunity to go deeper, to go deeper in your own prayers. And when we look at the first line this morning, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, we kind of see the beginning of this prayer. 
And now when I think about the prayers that I pray, this is not typically where I begin. And I, I don't know how you start your prayers, but I think if somebody were to like videotape me or to have some kind of access to all of my thoughts and all the prayers that I've ever prayed throughout my entire life, I think that 90% of my prayers would probably start with, guess what? They'd start with me. God, would you give me this? God, would you do that? God, would you help me out? God, would you be with my friend? As As I prayed last night, God, I'm so tired, right? Just anticipating the time change. My prayers typically start with me. And a lot of times I think that's true for all of us. Our prayers typically start with ourselves. And I think that's kind of because of our self-centeredness, of the way that we're so often focused on ourselves. But if you notice where Jesus begins, he doesn't begin with himself, his wants, his needs, his desires. Instead, Jesus begins with God. And so what I want you to see here is that prayer starts with God not with us. Prayer starts with God and not with us. And this is true at a very high level, right? Prayer begins with God who created us and who wants a relationship with us. Prayer is initiated by by God who invites us to speak with Him. Prayer begins with God because God doesn't shun us from his presence. Instead, he invites us to come closer and to develop that relationship with him. And so prayer at a very high level starts with God, but then prayer at a very practical level, Jesus tells us, should start with God as well. Prayer shouldn't start with our wants, our needs, our desires. Instead, prayer should start with God and a recognition of who he is, a recognition of his character. Prayer should start with him, the author of all of life. And so if you look where Jesus starts, he starts with two words. He starts with the words, our Father. And when he starts with these two words, he's highlighting that our Father, that that phrase right there highlights the closeness we have with God. Our Father highlights the closeness that Jesus wants us to see that we have with God, our Heavenly Father. And now, I know for you, maybe, you know, saying our Father is a very typical phrase for you. We're used to hearing Jesus call our Father. But while this phrase might seem small and the word Father might not seem like a big deal, for Jesus, this is a huge thing. Because when we see Jesus calling God Father, we get a revelation of the unique relationship that he had with God of how they related to one another. And it's also significant that here when he's teaching his disciples how to pray, he says, you should call God your father. He's our father. And maybe you don't get how radical this is, but not every religion treats the relationship between God and his creation like that. But this is what Jesus invites us to do, to say God is our father, to relate to him And that way, as a parent, relates to a son or to a daughter. You see, when we come before God in prayer, Jesus is telling us that we don't come before God like a slave begging before a master. We don't come before God like a customer coming before a merchant. 
We don't come before God having to beg him and having to plead with him to listen to us. No, when we come before God, it is like a child coming before their parent. God is ready to listen to us. He wants to talk with us. Jesus is telling us he wants that relationship with us. When he says our father, he's highlighting the closeness and the type of relationship that God wants with each of us. And throughout the Bible, we see different teachings on on this, but I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. He says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And the Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. For the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, And now if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. See, being a child with God means that we are his heirs. We have an inheritance. We have privileges It means that we have God's ear, that he wants to listen to us. He wants to love us. He wants to give us good gifts. He wants to pour out his mercy, his grace, and his presence upon us. Jesus is telling us here at the very beginning of our prayers to acknowledge God's love for us and the relationship that he wants for each of us. When we pray, our Father. And now I know for some of you, this is a lot more difficult than others. Because some of you in this room, I know, had fathers who were absent, who were abusive, who were apathetic. And so when you hear a teaching like this from Jesus and you see Jesus praying to God, his, his father, I mean, it's kind of hard for you to make that jump because a lot of times what we do is we think about our earthly fathers and then we project them onto God. And we think that that's how God wants us to relate to him, how we relate to our earthly fathers. But I want to encourage you over time to begin letting God transform that view. Because God doesn't want us to start with our earthly fathers and project them onto him. Instead, God wants us to start with him and with his character And he wants us to see that he is the ideal. He is the perfect father. He, as the song goes, is the good, good father. He is merciful. He is patient. He is abounding with love. He wants to spend time with his children. And so God wants us to see him for who he is. And then he wants that to be the standard for earthly fathers. He wants earthly fathers to reflect him, not for us to reflect our earthly fathers Onto him. And so I know that may take time for you, but I hope you'll be praying in this season. You'll be studying God's word so that you can begin to transform how you see God and how you relate to God because God wants to relate to you as his son and as his daughter with his perfect love. He wants what's best for you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to inspire you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to give you wisdom. He wants to give you exactly what you need in your life. He wants you to trust him. And that's what we see when we begin our prayers with that phrase, 
our Father. So Jesus begins there, but, but he continues on. He highlights a second aspect of God's character in the next words. You see, when he says, our Father who art in heaven, when he says who art in heaven, he's highlighting God's greatness. He's highlighting God's greatness here. And who art in heaven, I know that phrase might be kind of weird for some of you, but it basically means uh, our God who is in heaven. Our God who reigns above the earth, who is outside of time, who is outside of space. Our God who is all-powerful, our God who is all-knowing. That is the God that we're praying to. Hallowed be thy name simply means holy are you. We're praying to this holy God who not only loves us, but actually has the power to do something about that love and to pour it out on us in this world. He not only wants what's best for us, he has the power to actually give it to us. And so who aren't in heaven highlights God's greatness and his grandeur. And I love how Isaiah puts it, the prophet. He says this in Isaiah chapter 40. He says, don't you know, haven't you heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow tired or weary. His understanding is beyond human reach. So here at the beginning, our eyes are kind of drawn up from the horizon and the problems and the limitations of this world. They're drawn up to our heavenly father, our father who is all powerful. We see God's greatness paired with God's closeness. We see that God is transcendent and that God is imminent. We see that God is the Lord of the cosmos, and also that God is mindful of us, and that God wants us to talk with him in prayer. Sometimes we think that the God who oversees our world is too busy for us. But here at the beginning of this prayer, we see that yes, while God is great, we also find that he wants time with you. He wants to hear from you. He loves you and is mindful of you. And I love what the theologian J.I. Packer said once. He said this, he said, the mark of great prayers is that they express a great awareness of a great God. The mark of great prayers is that they express a great awareness of a great God, and that's what's modeled for us at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is teaching us that prayer begins not with us, but with God, a God who is close to us, a God who is great, a God who is good. And with all of that said, I just want to say this at the outset of this series because you'll have a number of teaching points and notes and studying together and learning a lot more about prayer in this series. But I want to close with this line that I, I heard somebody say recently. And that is that prayer is a lot like singing. You can read a lot of books about singing. You can listen to a lot of people sing. You can go to lectures where people talk about singing and how to sing. But singing is best learned by actually doing it.
And it's the same way with prayer. It's good to learn uh, about prayer and, and the models and the patterns and things to pray for, to learn about God. But the way that you're actually going to begin to grow in prayer personally in your life is by putting it into practice, starting right where you are and living it out. And so during these next 40 days, we as a church, we want to equip you. We want to give you opportunities to begin putting this into action. And it's the reason why we gave you this card. And we want to encourage you, if you don't know the Lord's Prayer, begin to memorize it so that you can have this kind of pattern in your mind as you jump off and dive deeper at different points. As your kids are learning it, as your spouse is learning it, we want you to begin praying together. Maybe you've never prayed as, as a family, and so like, you know, your kids are, are in middle school, or you're like, that's awkward to just start that. Just tell them that I told you you had to, right? Just say, hey, Pastor Jonathan said we need to start praying as a family, and just let that break the awkwardness and your old routines. But I want to encourage you to start praying with your spouse, start praying with your family members. If you have some friends, begin praying with them. So that's one thing I want to encourage you to do. The second is that we want to invite you to take a 40-day prayer guide. We have them at the exits and one at the main exit. And this guide has every day leading up to Easter in it. And it has different prayer prompts because we know that, that sometimes even you're beginning with God and then some of you have like a million things to say and then others of you are like, I, I don't even know what to say next. But the prayer guide prompts you each day to pray for different things. And we as a church, it's unifying us in our prayers as we go on this journey together. So we invite you to take one of those prayer guides at the exits. And then also want to let you know that on Wednesday nights, if you want to learn more, if you want to begin having an opportunity where not you just don't hear from me, but you have an opportunity to ask questions, to talk about your struggles with prayer, your victories in prayer, you can gather around tables at PPI on Wednesday night or grab a study and grab some friends together as you seek to grow closer to God. And then finally, we have the 24 hours of prayer that we mentioned out there. And that's a great opportunity to just dedicate some time and to say, God, I'm going to spend time with you during this block. And I hope you'll be like Jesus, that each day in this series, you'll carve out time, whatever rhythm works for you. I just want you to start right where you are and begin the meeting and talking with the God the God of the universe, the God who is so great, the God who loves you and who wants to hear from you. And so as we close this morning, I'm going to close with a word of prayer. And then at the end, I'm going to prompt us. And then I want us to close together by saying the Lord's Prayer out loud in one voice. So let's go before God in prayer. 